0: We are back. We return to the Marvel Universe after uh, a deep dive away in the last uh, last week with um, Batman 1989. We return to the Marvel Universe to look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s, the cornerstone of the MCU and indeed the cornerstone of Marvel Comics. And we found that out. We've gone back into the, uh, the history behind the production history mm. of... Jeff Loeb kind of setting this all up, bringing in Joss Whedon. We've looked at kind of the differences between network television dramas, composer of kind of like the HBO special prestige dramas that we're also fond of. Um, we've managed to change Will's mind and get him on a path where he <laughs> seems like he now really wants to kind of carry on with this, uh, pursuing this TV show. We've gone to look at the history of Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. and how they came about on the backs of. James Bond and the man from U.N.C.L.E., Spectre and Smirsh, and U.N.C.L.E. become S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA. Uh, we looked at how Jim Sterenko kind of completely changed comic books in general, booked the Marvel system, um, was reprimanded for having too many sexy women in his <laughs> comics and changed what S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to be. Um, and we paid attention to the people that matter. I'm talking about Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski. Randall Schmidt, Zach Thomas, Basterbeer, Sam, Bindi, Soupy, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q. They're the world-class wrecking crew that keep it all together, that support this show. They are the foundation of Marvel vs. Marvel. And hey, we also let everyone know about a really cool thing, which is that for a limited time in July, you can get a seven-day free trial of our Patreon Head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Look for the V I E P tier free trial. And you can have seven days um, of exploring and enjoying all our bonus content from the mega deep dives we do to the fun obscure Marvel mini show. Seven days free trial, patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. And now, Will, we're ready for the deep dive. Let's press play.
1: Episode one, Pilot. Following the 2012 Battle of New York, the secret about superheroes and supervillains is now revealed to the public. Mike Peterson is out with his son Ace when the top floor of a nearby building explodes. Running Running to the building and hearing a scream bellowing from within, Mike Patterson uses his superpowers to scale the side of the building with his bare hands. Inside the burning floor of the building, he finds woman and jumps out of a window to the street below, resting the woman on the ground outside a crowd of gasping onlookers
0: before leading Ace away. So, I always think names like Ace are just, like, so fake, but it's, yeah. I know from what wrestlers call their children <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, to me, Ace sounds like, why would you never call a child a human being Ace? No. But... In America, it seems like there are some peculiar names for kids. Like, I I just, I know that there are, like, like, Bret Hart's got a child called Blade. <laughs> 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 and there's an awful lot. There's some awful, really, and I don't know, he's North American, he's Canadian, not American American, but, you know. But there's, a, there's I, I don't know, I can't recall too many, but I know that, like, yeah, there's some have come up over the years where you go, I can't believe that wrestler has named his children something so weird. Ace sounds about normal now, so oh. I'm not going to comment. Bladeheart 3rd that would that would just be the ultimate, the ultimate. Yeah, my father and my father's father were all Blade. <laughs> we're all
1: Heart. we just thought it was a badass name. So the start of this... Not to, not to hang up, not to go on about what I was on about before. It does feel like a network TV show at the
0: beginning. Snobby, snob, snob, it snob, 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 does. snob. It does, I does. I, I will leave that there. I'm not going to go on about it anymore. So. You can't watch Twin Peaks ever again. Okay. And you're not allowed now. Do you know what? Or way- Simpsons.
1: <laughs> Reminds me when I got a mate to watch Twin Peaks and he messaged me and went, is the acting supposed to be this bad? <laughs>
0: I'm just oh, like. I can't, I can't handle that show, I'm afraid.
1: It's it's quirky as hell. I love. I it. like
0: Lynch um, an awful lot, but I am not really a fan of that show. That's a shame.
1: So obviously, we're seeing a world uh, discover superheroes for the first time here. Is there a moment like this in the Marvel comics where, like, the sheet is pulled over and we see everything in public?
0: Um, it's 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 kind of hard to. So it's a difficult one to place that. Mm. I would say in general not really. Not really. Like, Spider-Man would be kind of the time when you'd think, because that's the first superhero sort of happening in Marvel, right? Because at the time they haven't acknowledged that the stuff from the 40s was part of the same universe. Mm. No one's that... Like oh, someone with powers. There's no, there's none of that to go on. A little bit when the mutants knock around there's a little bit of it. I think what happens, there's so much of it going on. And then, like if we look at, if we take a macro view of the Marvel timeline now, yeah, what Marvel eventually did is is folded Captain America and 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 all the World War II exploits into the same universe. Yeah. So as the superheroes start to become a thing in the '60s, when Marvel comics start that world has already lived through a world war that featured a flaming man called the Human Torch (laughs) and a flying guy called Prince Namor from Atlantis and Captain America and a whole bunch of other people. So, it kind of has happened, and that all came about in, in the time of global news and newsreels and newspapers, and so the whole world knew. So... Yeah, and then and then, technically speaking as well, they would have had loads of monsters and, and, and mad scientists doing crazy things in the 50s. There is a great series by Kurt Busiek, um called Marvels. Hmm. And it's set during the beginnings of the Marvel Age in the 1960s. And it's all from the perspective and point of view, POV, of a regular guy called Phil, who was a photographer for the Daily Bugle. Right. And it's his perspective on all the stuff that we know happened in the 60s like the avengers and the x-men and spider-man and it's about how like the regular man on the street reacted and viewed as the world around him suddenly becomes full of super people and aliens and it's illustrated by an artist called alex ross who paints instead of you know, drawing with with pencils and ink. And he's able to create these amazing paintings that are, like, photorealistic. And so the whole thing doesn't look like a comic book at all. And the photorealism of it helps tell the story of how would you feel if this mad stuff was real? And when it's drawn in a photorealistic way... yeah. It there's something creepy about all of it. There's something creepy about Spider-Man clinging to the wall of your office building. There's something creepy about Giant-Man being taller than all the skyscrapers. There's something when it's done realistically, it's kind of hor- horrifying a little bit. And seeing the absolute panic as Galactus wades through Manhattan is really, you know, it's it's a it's it's a really really good series. The art is phenomenal. Um, but, it, but it's not just phenomenal, it's, it's, it's that, that photorealism of Alex Ross really plays into what they're doing with point of view and perspective and the man on the street and the fact that he's a photographer, so he, he takes pictures and the artwork is photorealistic. It's really great series, really wonderful. I
1: have just uh, did a Google image search and some Alex Ross uh, stuff has popped up and wow, wow, the Avengers look sinister. They really look sinister.
0: Yeah. Um Alex Ross would work with Mark Wade on a DC project called Kingdom Come, which is mm. very famous and use his similar artwork um on that and that is a great you can read that because it's DC. Hey. That's a great story set in a, a future um where like the super, this, it was, it's a kind of a reaction to the 90s, and it was mm. done in the 90s. Basically, the kingdom come is like there's so many superhumans and children of superhumans, and like new kids becoming the new superhumans. Like the world's gone out of control, yeah. And it's kind of like, how does Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman kind of react to this new um world? And there's a preacher who sees the end of the world coming. And he's trying to warn the superheroes, and he kind of can't. It's really gorgeous, Um, and it's a good story as well, and it it features some wild stuff. Um, Yeah. Excellent. You should check that out. I might check that out.
1: In Paris, France, SHIELD agent Grant Ward is ordered to stand down from their pursuit of the Rising Tide, a hacktivist terrorist group, but convinces his superior to give him more time. Sneaking into a fancy apartment owned by a black market dealer Ward finds a hidden room containing high-tech contraband, but is interrupted by the dealer's wife, followed by several goons. Ward fights off the goons single-handedly while the dealer's wife strolls out. After extraction via helicopter, Ward faces a stern debriefing from SHIELD Deputy Director Maria Hill, but reveals an interesting piece of technology he was able to retrieve from the apartment's secret room, a Chitauri Neural Link. Maria reminds Ward that since the Battle of New York, the old world is dead and proceeds to give Ward a new assignment. Suddenly, Agent Phil Coulson, who is officially dead, walks in from the shadows and assigns Ward level 7 security clearance. On the streets of New York, Mike Peterson is stalked by a woman who saw him use his powers to save that other woman from a burning building. So, uh, uh, so just a, just a heads up: we've got hostiles in your vicinity. Hostiles in your vicinity. While he's fighting them, he gets the little <laughs> he gets a little the little.
0: The writing is really the dialogue. The yeah. writing is really sharp. The dialogue and Whedon stuff is always good. You could really tell it's Josh Whedon
1: with stuff like that. There were moments where I laughed out loud, and like yeah, the writing's actually really good here. Also, I was so happy to see Colson again. I yeah. I. I I I I genuinely miss him from the MCU. I genuinely miss that guy.
0: Yeah. You yeah.
1: You don't feel the same?
0: Um, I don't think I, I I it's not that I dislike the character. I haven't particularly felt myself missing it, no. Oh, uh, it's one of um, those things where you don't think about him, and then when he pops up you're like, "Oh yeah, I like him. Why why, why isn't he in I than... think the difference might be I've seen Agents of Shield. I've had a lot of Agent Coulson oh. with Agents of Shield. Yeah, there we go. And all the ups and downs of the character and stuff. So that might be it. You, you, you've got Coulson fatigue. If, if you want Agent Coulson, there's like six seasons of it. You can crack on with it, mate. There's <laughs> lots do. of it. So
1: we, I believe we may have discussed this before, but my memory is terrible. So
0: Agent Coulson, is he a character for the comics or did they just make him for the film? He, he originates in the very first Iron Man movie, 2008. Mm. Yeah, so they make him for the movies. Uh, and then... Uh, in 2011, Marvel published a comic book called Battle Scars. Okay. So, Battle Scars introduces us to the story of a uh, a black US Marine called Marcus Johnson and his best friend, Cheese. Uh, Marcus and Cheese find themselves being attacked by super powered hitmen like Deadpool and the Taskmaster and stuff like that. And Marcus's mother is murdered. Um, and he finds out that he has a father he knew nothing about. And it turns out his father is Nick Fury. And that's why he's getting attacked by all these super people, these super villains and stuff. Marcus then gets his eye ripped out, just like Nick Fury. He gets injected with the Infinity Formula, just like Nick Fury. He has his head shaved, or his head's already shaved. And to top it all off, he finds out that his real birth name is actually Nick Fury. Um. (laughs) The original white Nick Fury loses his special long life infinity formula, becomes transformed into like a really old man, and is sent off to in a retirement home so that Marvel can introduce their new Nick Fury, one who is black and has a shaved head and looks a lot like Sam or more <laughs> like Samuel L. Jackson than the white Nick Fury did. Yeah. So this was Marvel's attempt to make their comic books look more like the movies. Right. We talked about this being like an Armin Tamzarian moment. <laughs> it was like no one... And and right after they did that, no one talked about the original white Nick Fury for ages. Mm. It was just like, in comes a black guy with one eye, and everyone called him Nick Fury. And if you're a long-time reader and you missed Scars, you'd be like, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> why, why is he Nick Fury now? Um... So, yeah, this was this was Marvel's attempt to do that. Oh, and at the very end of all this, we found out that Cheese, the best friend of the new Nick Fury, his real name is Philip Coulson. Ah, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> so nice that's, tie that's how we get Agent Coulson introduced into the, the comic book Marvel universe. I love the it. The the 616.
1: I love it when they go, oh, this aspect of the film uh, has nothing to do with the comics. Should we just put it in the
0: comics? Yeah, let's do that. I... I don't mind it if it's done well. It's done well, That series, I mean, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought that was ridiculous. Absolutely. The tortured lengths they went to to create this. Yeah. Rather than, I don't understand what the problem is. I mean, well, I I I do. I guess I do. Nick Fury in the movies is a really cool black character and you could have people going, I'd like to read about a really cool black character and then you buy the comic and you go, wait a second. (laughs) This (laughs) looks like the man. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution would be. I'm not sure what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I totally get it. Coulson explains to Ward how Fury faked his death while Coulson recovered from his wounds before Maria and Coulson show Ward footage of Mike Peterson using his powers. Ward's next assignment is to reach this man before anyone else does. Shield physician Doctor Strighton enters and clears Ward for duty before secretly implying to Maria Hill that Coulson's story about recuperating in Tahiti isn't the truth. Ooh, the ba- again the back and forth uh, dialogue in the show is is brilliant. Like that, that example line. I'm going to li- like the Batman episode. I'm going to every now and again come up with lines I liked. Uh, Under people skills, I think she drew a little poop. That's bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just like, that, that's funny, but then that's bad, right? That's just that's the that's the cherry on top of that line for me. Yeah, that's that's good. good. Also, seeing Ron Glass enter the room, and it's like, <gasps> oh, you know Joss Whedon made that call. You know he made Shepherd's that call. Shepard yeah, yeah. God. Excellent. Sitting in a cafe, Mike Peterson is approached by Sky, a member of Rising Tide, who warns the hero that he is in danger... She claims that S.H.I.E.L.D. will be coming after him, as well as covering up superhero-based events, and needs to fight back against them. Exploiting his unemployment status, Sky offers Mike work with her group, but Mike respectfully declines, not realising that Sky
0: has swiped his ID. How did that job interview go? They really exploited my unemployment status. <laughs> they, they offered me a job. <laughs>
1: I don't know how else to put it, man. I, you know, yeah,
0: Asda. Asda really exploited my uh, unemployment status. I, speaking, what, as, what happened? They gave me 15 hours a week. Speaking
1: <laughs> as someone who has worked in a... In, oh, I remember working in a Safeway or a Morrison's. Oh, yeah, they definitely exploited me. <laughs> <laughs> At Shield, Coulson approaches agent Melinda May about an assignment. But the agent is reluctant after retiring from field duty until Coulson changes tax to get her to agree. That's
0: a shield hanger. I just what's great what is good about this mm. is that it's not gratuitous, but it's like what what what's the real story behind Coulson being back from the dead? Uh what happened, why did that woman like quit field duty? Yeah. Like there's just little bits that they you know, not gratuitously, yeah. so that everything feels like a deep dark secret. But enough that you go, Oh, we're gonna find out more about that, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely got that feeling from this. And I will be watching the whole thing at some point. At a shield hangar, Ward boards the team's mobile base of operations, a modified Boeing C-17 Globemaster III nicknamed The Bus, meeting Agents Leo Fitz and Gemma Simmons. Pulling up in a James Bond-esque red classic car that he calls Lola, Paulson briefs Ward and introduces him to Agent May, who will be piloting the bus shortly before it takes off on its mission. Hours later, Sky broadcasts an encrypted recording on behalf of the rising tide from her van, but is immediately taken prisoner by Coulson. That bit where she gets captured, that was such great misdirection. You've got the <laughs> montage, the showing, showing her do, you know, doing the encryption, showing them lifting off and into the sky, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to be spending the
0: episode trying to find it. No, nope, they capture it. Next second. Boom, done. Great. I always, I always kind of refer to that as the Silence of the Lambs misdirection.
1: Yes, I was thinking the right? exact same <laughs> from thing from the
0: knock on the door. Yeah, yeah. God, that was the best use of editing I, 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 it's a, I think it's the, it's the first time I ever saw it, and yeah. it's the most famous anyway. It's one I always think of. Yes, yeah, so such good misdirection.
1: So, Sky, she's a hacker, a hacktivist, if you will. Are there great hackers in the Marvel
0: universe, or is there no real need for it? Yeah, like there's, there's an awful lot of cyborgs and robots who can just plug into stuff and yeah. whose minds live in the cyberspace. <laughs> um, the number one that comes to mind for me, because I'm an old man, um, <laughs> is a microchip from the 1980s. Um, yes. li- David Lieberman, a uh, legendary computer hacker in the early days of the internet, um, he performed a lot of like scams and hacks mm. um, and was held in awe by his hacker peers until one scam brought him too close to the real world criminals. <laughs> and he was forced into retirement and he just became a normal middle-aged guy, unassuming businessman. <laughs> but then his nephew attempted to follow in his favourite uncle's footsteps um, and accidentally hacked into the private computer of Wilson Fisk. Oh so dear Fisk murdered him Had him <sighs> killed And um, Microchip was investigating his nephew's murder And meets and starts collaborating with Frank Castle ah. And so Microchip com- becomes like this invaluable The guy in the chair as they call it now But Microchip's the original in my mind He's the original guy in the chair um, and he's, like, fr- He's punishes hacker. He's, like, this investigator. Um, but he also um, launders his finances so that he can have... <laughs> when he steals horrible money, he, like, microchip launders it so that it looks legit. And um, he, like, does the actual admin and paperwork of getting a safe house. Yeah. And how does he get, like... Um, How does he get weapons and stuff in it? Well, Microchip handles that kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, Microchip, it it was a great part of um, the Punisher stories in the 80s and kind of the early 90s, and they got rid of him. Um, He shows up in the Spider-Man cartoon, and hopefully we'll get to cover that one day. There's a a great storyline where it's Punisher and Blade and Six-Armed Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember that Um, one. Another, again, I'm old again, another 80s character that had hacking skills is Doug Ramsey. (laughs) <laughs> um, who is a mutant and he became part of the new mutants team that were studying at Xavier's and not allowed to be superheroes. That's the whole point of the team. Um and Doug goes by the name Cypher, his super his mutant power is really interesting, if not very battle-worthy. He has an intuitive ability to translate language. Oh anything spoken or written in any form, alien, oh. human, and indeed um, code, computer code, deciphering computer codes, that's computer cool. languages. Um, so he's, um, yeah, he's just a naturally understands computers and becomes like he's incredible at computers. I um,
1: see. See, that just sounds like uh, like high IQ. But if you can understand alien languages instantly, that's definitely a superpower.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was absolutely hated by the audience, <laughs> and he was hated by comic book creators and writers as well. They were like. The hell am I meant to do with this guy? He's to hide behind a tree every time there's a fight. Um, and then they called him off. Um, uh, but yeah, and I would say to just try and make myself not be old all the time Amadeus Cho. He's relatively new. He was created after the year 2000. Um, <laughs> he's a great character. I love the character of Amadeus Cho. Um, I'm not in love with the fact that he eventually becomes just like a superpowered guy with Hulk powers to begin with. He is, his whole thing, he is Reed Richards called Amadeus Cho, this teenager. He is, according to Reed Richards, the seventh most intelligent person in the world. Um, And he's got great skills. He was able to um, hack S.H.I.E.L.D. computers' network once, so he's obviously very good at it. Very good, very good.
1: Also, uh, I can't wait to get uh, onto Punisher Warzone at some point, because Microchip is played by Wayne Knight. He is indeed. Yeah. Oh, God, I I I've got a lot of time for Newman. Anyway, hello, microchip. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Frank.
0: Hello, microchip.
1: Weird when you think about it, because his other famous role is not well. Kind of a hacker. He's, he's he's Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park. He's the code guy. Oh, I, I always
0: see. I always think of him as the guy one of the guys in JFK. But yes, I guess he is in Jurassic Park as well.
1: Oh God.
0: J- yes, everyone's in, everyone was in JFK. To be everyone right. is in, uh, JFK is so important to Kevin Bacon. If you're playing the game of Kevin Bacon, JFK is a <laughs> big help. JFK is like, ba- like Bank Station.
1: Only Londoners will get that. It's a big hub. It's where loads of lines converge and you can, on the tube. Cool. Cool! Uh, anyway, <laughs> on board the bus, Coulson and Ward interrogate Sky for information on Mike Peterson, currently known as the Hooded Hero... But the hacktivist resists. Meanwhile, Agent May investigates the building where Mike Peterson saved the woman. In the interrogation room, Sky slips that she knows about the mysterious Project Centipede getting the interest of both agents. At his home, Mike talks on the phone to his boss while glancing at a mysterious centipede-like device on his arm. With Agents Fitz and Simmons, Agent May investigates the basement of the building, which was housing a lab, on the bus. The interrogation heats up as Warren leans on Sky harder. Realising that Ward is breaking his cool. Coulson takes him out of the room and reveals a high-tech device to Ward while telling him that we need what she knows. So I love, like, there's three things happening at the same time here. We're jumping between them, so it works really well for pacing here. I really like this feel. Mm. Very good. Also, I got the feeling very quickly that... This is the kind of stuff they wanted to do after the original uh, SHIELD movie with David Hasselhoff. After, Because, you know, we talked about it being a potential pilot for a TV show, but never uh, picked pick up, if I remember right. Right. I get the idea. This is what exactly they wanted to do with that show. This kind of procedural thing.
0: No, I don't think so. No. Um, what do you think they wanted to do? more David Hasselhoff TV action movies where things blow up and, you know... there wasn't going to be a tv show it's going to be a series of tv movies oh i thought it was nah, i got that wrong then it would be it, what it would be is exactly the same as the first one <laughs> about five more times <laughs> that's all it'd be yeah each with decreasing amount of quality and more cackling villains <laughs> ah, the theory, I will burn
1: you alive. that's all it'd be god that if you can go back to our episode on that at some point or even and, and watch the film obviously it's such an entertaining thing to, to,
0: to see their heli carrier looks good the, yeah, the heli he carry is the best part of it. And also, like David Hassoff looks like Nick Fury.
1: <laughs> he really does. He, do, he, he I think he did an all right job, but you know, you can listen to it back then. Anyway, let's get down to Project Centipede, which sounds cool.
0: Is that a nod uh, from something from the Shield comics? This one is odd. I I I I initially was like, "Oh yeah, that's cuz of" then I realized the name's wrong. So, in this TV series and I don't think it comes up in this bit here but Project Centipede is like I'm going to spoil things for you Will I'm here afraid, we go it's like a Hydra super soldier program there it is where they build the next generation of superpowered agents now there isn't a Project Centipede in the comic books but there is a Project Caterpillar <laughs> which is really similar right <laughs> it makes me think there was some kind of weird um, legal thing where it's like oh we can't use that so in the, in the comics, Nick Fury gets dethroned as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Or does he do it before that? Anyway. And he starts to believe that there is a conspiracy at work. He's uncovered something rotten at the heart of Denmark, basically. And he thinks that that's what got him fired and blackballed. And he's not wrong. And... Things really start to ramp up during the secret invasion uh, when Nick Fury realises he can't trust anyone. And we'll dig more into that um, when we do uh, our big bonus episode um, later this month. Um, Have you
1: seen The Untouchables? Yeah, yeah, very long time ago. I'm going to have to rewatch it. It's a
0: great film. In that movie, Kevin Costner goes to Sean Connery to try and help handling organised crime and, like, like, when every cop is corrupt and on the take, what do you do? And Connery tells him something like, um, if uh, if, the, if the apples, if the spoiled apples are ruining the crop, you have to go right to the source. Um, <laughs> so, like, yeah. what he means is they have to go and pick new agents from the police academy before they get a chance to be involved in this world and corrupted. And Fury has a similar plan. Um, uh. The Caterpillar Files, right? Mm. So they are a, a team of, of people that cannot have been corrupted or infiltrated because nobody knows they exist <laughs> and nobody knows they've got powers. The Caterpillars are people with potential like superpowers because they are the children of supervillains and superheroes right? that have gone under the radar. Um, usually illegitimate children of superpower people um usually supervillains who just kind of like is in marvel we we do find out there are supervillain groupies oh wow that's that's getting revenge on dad so there's a lot of like i'm out of prison for a couple of for a couple of weeks i'm gonna fight spider-man meet up with caroline (laughs) and then i'll be back in prison in like a week um that's a solid itinerary they've had a they've, they've had a kid um and from this crop of, like... Doctor Doom doesn't believe in protection. <laughs> and from this Sorry. crop of caterpillars, Fury trains his secret warriors, the next generation of superpowered agents completely hidden from the rest of the world. So there's, there's kind of a little, little bit of comparison here. Um, secret Warriors is a really, really good series mm. that was used as the inspiration for a lot of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Hydra stuff in um, the Winter Soldier movie. Oh, I'm thinking about
1: Secret Invasion now, the TV show, and I'm I'm really buzzing for it. And not just yeah. not just not just like Coleman's in it. Love seeing Sophie from Peep Show. <laughs> anyway, using a swarm of scanning drones, Fitz finds a damaged CCTV camera that could have its video records extracted, while Simmons finds a damaged device similar to the one that Mike wears on his wrist. Back on the bus. Colson shows Skye a vial of QMBT16, an incredibly potent truth drug. But instead of using it on the prisoner, he uses it on Agent Ward before exiting the room, allowing Sky to ask Ward whatever she wants. At the factory where he used to work, Mike hassles his ex-boss Gary for another job, insisting that he has twice the strength he has now but when gary still doesn't believe him mike proves his new powers by throwing a large metal container across the factory floor before doing the same to gary gary pleads with mike but the superpowered man sees gary as the bad guy and himself as the hero before grabbing a canister and
0: swinging it at gary
1: now that was a nice twist with the truth dragon ward that really took me by surprise cuz yeah, yeah yeah
0: i don't think you quite like laid out why they did it
1: they, d- what? Well, we. F- I'll, I'll be. I'll be talking about it in a sec. What? Oh, okay. I, I believe. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about it. What? Let's talk about it now and then. I'll. You know, you'll just have to hear it when I read out the story. It, it was just. It was to gain her trust, wasn't it, or something? If I
0: remember right. Yeah, yeah. Like cause she doesn't know what to think of all this, all this kind of like who these people are and what to make of Shield.
1: Yeah, so. it's, it's it's nice because it's like clearly. Coulson's kind of like a very good cop in some of these situations. Very open, yeah. Very open. That's that's why I like him. He's so so lovely. After Agent Ward is knocked out from the after effects of the truth serum, Coulson quizzes Skye on what Ward told her. Showing footage of Mike assaulting Gary at the factory, Coulson convinces Skye to reveal the identity of the hooded hero. Reviewing the security footage extracted from the destroyed lab, Agents Coulson, May, Fitz, Simmons, along with Skye, Realise the data is
0: corrupt The gang, the team the team Realise the data is corrupt Could have been that sentence but here we go Yeah but <laughs> but, but Ward isn't there
1: Okay I don't want to confuse people Rob <laughs> they, they, Ford, they go, I mean, but, but Ward wasn't there Will no, I don't think they are <laughs> Never mind Sky reveals that she was using a directional mic Pointed at the building when the explosion happened Which could help the team figure out What happened Agent May escorts Skye to retrieve her equipment from her van. In a hospital, Mike visits the woman he saved from the building, who is actually a scientist called Debbie that gave him the abilities by implanting the centipede device in his arm. Debbie warns Mike against revealing his abilities to the public which would be against the wishes of her backer, but Mike sees the whole thing as his origin story. At the bus, Fitz and Simmons are finally able to clean up the recovered camera footage revealing another patient with a centipede-like device on their arm. Examining the damaged centipede device from the ruins of the lab, the agents figure out the explosion was caused by the patient with the device, which pumps the user with various superpower-causing substances as well as Extremis, a volatile substance that was used against Tony Stark earlier in the year. Meanwhile, at Sky's van, Agent May is knocked out by Mike with Ace in tow who believes he is here to save Sky from S.H.I.E.L.D. before driving away in her van. Little does Mike know that the, the ex, in, if the Extremis in him detonates, he'll take out two blocks with him. So, we, we talked about Extremis. It's uh, part of our Iron Man 3 episode. People who've seen Iron Man 3 will remember It, it makes people blow up.
0: But what can you tell us uh, about it from the comic books? It's a very significant moment in the history of Iron Man. Um, 2005, a British writer called Warren Ellis um, writes kind of a six-issue Iron Man story that changes the status quo of Tony Stark and changes his power set vastly and would redefine the character for about 10, 12 years. Um, like a lot of like new-wave British writers... Um, whilst Warren Ellis does write mainstream superhero comics, he always brings like an an outsider kind of sensibility to the stories. And he's known for his dark sci-fi stories that kind of verge on the, on the realms of thrillers and horrors and stuff mm. like that. So Warren Ellis looked at Iron Man in the early 2000s and didn't see a character at the bleeding edge of science. <clears throat> he was like, there were new developments in real world science that were far above what Stark had in the comic books mm. with all his sci-fi tech. Maybe not on a practical level, but stuff that was happening in science. Like so transistors. It...
1: Lots of transistors <laughs> and, and magnets,
0: Rob. <laughs> so in the, in the extremist story, Warren Ellis relaunches Stark um, as a character who doesn't just wear a suit of armour. So we need to remember... When we talked about Captain America, we said that Cap is like the first shot fired in a new arms race. Hmm. The race is to develop super soldiers. And this arms race dominates different corners of the Marvel Universe, shady corners, for decades to come. And... There's always like the military tried to create new super soldiers with the Weapon X program in the X Men, um, and the Black Widow program in Russia is an attempt to build super soldiers um, for the for the USSR and things like that. Um, mm. In in the comic books, Extremis is the bleeding edge of super soldier tech. It's a magic bullet of nanites <laughs> that hack the body's repair center and tells it to rewrite the body. Um so it it tells the it tells the repair center that the body is all wrong and must be altered. And from that, mm. the nanites can program the body to do almost anything you want. It's not to do with healing. It's like can grow new organs or limbs. The 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 main guy and extremist that we see, the story, is a super terrorist called Malon who gives himself super strength and super speed and a healing factor. He can grow metal claws from his body. Amazing. um, And he can breathe fire that can melt Iron Man's armor, um, and he can discharge electricity and things like that. The story wraps up, and Tony has now taken the extremist nanites um Ooh, no. but tony is a lot more reasonable and gentle with his, what he hacks his body to do so, <coughs> so he gives himself excuse me he gives himself all new healthier and stronger organs um very good for his liver um and a brand new respiratory system so that his body can cope better with being the pilot of this insanely dangerous fighter jet that he wears like a tuxedo. Mm. Um, so he can better cope with any all the G-force and the pressures and the speed and the bends and all of that. Amazing. And the big thing that he does is that he programs his brain so that Tony Stark's brain is able to learn and process as fast as a computer. Damn. Um, and he can interface with all tech using the nanites in his system and and essentially control it. So with this storyline, extremist stops Tony Stark being a guy that built a suit of armor in a cave and he becomes essentially a a cyborg, a super-powered cyborg with bleeding-edge tech pumping through his veins and a brain that is no longer human at all. That's actually scary. The, the, the
1: weird thing uh the game Deus Ex uh went into that it's a cyberpunk game and like you're working for a government organization but they have the previous generation of augmented people which were basically people with cybernetic parts and you play as a guy who's who's the new breed who has nanites in his system so you can do all this stuff like with powers uh you know like heal yourself right jump for uh, for ages lift up heavy things and throw them you know just these cool powers. i think i played that yeah it's a great game the original was just brilliant it's very dated though mm. but i'm a huge I'm a, I'm, you know me i'm a huge fan of cyberpunk stuff but that game one of the greatest games of all time anyway while ward prepares to go into the field again fitz and simmons tell colson that mike could detonate within the next few hours unless they kill him however Coulson. Once this handled in a non-lethal manner. The next second, Agent May upstate Coulson on Skye's status. Inside Sky's parked, sorry, inside, inside Sky's van parked outside a train station, Mike coerces Skye to delete all records on him so he and Ace can start a new life together elsewhere. While trying to figure out a way to neutralize extremists peacefully, Fitz and Simmons notice that their computers are being hacked which gives away Sky's location. So, S.H.I.E.L.D., in the comic books, are they a non-lethal organisation, or do they actually
0: you know, use power when necessary? Well, during the 60s, you can't show much death. I no, mean, we don't see much murdering going on during the Stanley days. Now, with Jim Steranko's writing the stories in the kind of mid to late 60s, Nick Fury and his boys are stone cold killers and in a very serious and, 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 and dangerous world. And they're like the original Ian Fleming Bond novels. Yeah. Um, at the time, I mean, they're, they're, it's not like they show a grisly murder hmm. because that was verboten in the comic book code in the 60s. But it's what they would call implied death. Death, like, off, death off sc- death off, page or something yeah you'd you'd see Fury be talking to someone he's got to get rid of them um, he raises the panel shows Fury raising the gun yeah. pulling the trigger and then the next panel is Fury putting the gun down and he's like grimly determined and you know the job's been done that's kind of implied death mm-hmm. right because you're not showing the death but you know what's happened and Starenko was always being admonished and censored for that um, because he was showing a lot of it and um, I mean, beyond that, it's not like we see them murdering people when they're surrounded by superheroes, which is what our stories are about. You know, they're often teaming up with the Avengers and stuff, doing very public superhero stuff. But uh, certainly in the 2000s, it is explicitly stated that S.H.I.E.L.D. used Black Widow because she's the best at infiltrating and assassinating a target and stuff like that. And then there's the time they decided to murder Tony Stark. <laughs> so, Ray, in, in 19... in, in the late, It's David Michelin and John Burns' run on, on Iron Man. It's, it's, it's either very early 80s or it's the end of the 70s. It's like 79 or 80s, something like that. Um, and it's this whole thing of... Uh, well, Tony Stark, he used to be a big weapons manufacturer... And he used to supply S.H.I.E.L.D. with all... Like, he designed the helicarrier, or maybe his dad... The, the timeline changes. But it, it, it originally, <laughs> originally, every cool weapon that S.H.I.E.L.D. has, Tony built. Mm. Um, and But then he's gone... Like, he had the accident, and he built Iron Man, and he's like, I'm never building weapons again, except for the weapons on the Iron Man suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> like, only my personal bodyguard can have ray guns. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's morally wrong. You're not allowed them, only the person that saves me all the time. Um, so, S.H.I.E.L.D. decided they've had enough of this. They want a hostile takeover of Stark International to put someone in place as a CEO that will go back to making weapons for them. Mm. So, they send some um, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents to kind of do this hostile takeover. And these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are, decide it would be much easier to just hire an assassin called the Spymaster to do the job for him, to just execute Tony Stark. And even that kind of goes wrong, and they decide to do it themselves and stuff like that. But we hear, we hear, them, um, we hear the agents moan about how Tony Stark has become a simpering liberal um, <laughs> who's stopped building weapons for S.H.I.E.L.D., so he's got to go. So uh, yeah, Shield weren't above that. I mean, it's possible that I I I don't remember reading anything open to interpretation. It's possible, I guess, they could have just been two Shield agents operating with kind of autonomy who who went beyond the parameters of their mission and decided let's kill him. But I don't know. Tony Stark turned against Shield for ye- for for several years after that. He was he never forgot it. He was like, yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. don't trust you. I I I don't blame him. Approaching
1: the van with Ward, Coulson orders Mike to come peacefully, but the hooded hero bursts the panel door off the van and escapes into the station with Ace and dragging Skye as a hostage. Noticing a group of tough guys in the station, Skye kicks one of them, provoking a fight between them and Mike. Skye uses the ensuing chaos to escape while Mike effortlessly takes down every single one of the men, launching the last one across the hall. Coulson is able to safely take Ace into protection. Ward tries to restrain Mike from behind but is unsuccessful. Mike catches Sky again and the two escape the station after being shot at by an assassin disguised as a policeman. So, this was filmed at Union Station in Los Angeles, uh, a place I briefly visited. Oh, yeah. is it nice? Like, yeah, it was like it's it's mad. It's, it's like a, a cathedral. <laughs> it was like a, it's like you go there and it's like oh, it's the state It's the uh, I think it's the bus station is well, train station whatever it's like a, like a hub but man it's mad it's like a massive massive church in there because mm. it's like this massive hall and everything but yeah interesting place <clears throat> Mike and Sky ascend the station hall but Mike is shot by the assassin and falls to the hall floor below however Agent May takes out the assassin with her bare hands while Coulson slowly approaches Mike who is showing signs of extremist instability Coulson drops his gun as a sign of peace hoping Mike will cooperate But Mike is too emotional and angry. Meanwhile, Ward has a sniper rifle aimed directly at Mike, while Mike angrily tells Coulson about how unfair society has been on him all his life, and how the new world of superheroes and gods can give powers, can give new people can uh, can give new people chances. Coulson agrees with him and tells him that the real heroes are heroes not because of what they have, but because of who they are and what they do. Mike starts to calm down allowing Ward to shoot Mike in the head with an experimental stun gun that neutralizes the extremis in Mike's body, preventing an explosion. So I got a similar vibe with Mike here with the Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, just two people who've been messed by the system trying to find opportunity in the new world. Obviously, one's clearly a villain. This guy's just getting a bit angry. (laughs) He's
0: just getting a bit angry. He's
1: just a bit miffed, isn't he? He's a bit miffed. Okay, he did. He, He threw his boss... Across the, across the floor, but who, who, who wouldn't do that, Rob? Who wouldn't <laughs> violently assault their boss uh, out of petty revenge? It's just a natural thing to do.
0: The actor uh, played Charles Gunn in the Angel TV series, the Buffy spinoff, where he plays like this kind of like, he's not part of the team um, he's not like, but he's kind of this associate who they basically kind of run into people every now and then in the dark underworld <laughs> of Los Angeles who have known about vampires for years. Like, Charles Gunn comes from like quite a dilapidated area, kind of like a, a kind of a hood, the hood area, kind of a ghetto area, and he's like, um, oh, "Vampires? Yeah, they come in and try and feed on on us all the time. Like, we're, we're we're as a as a street gang, our first responsibility is to stop vampires from killing." Our friends and neighbours at night. <laughs> and then the other, then there's the other bit of territory and drugs and everything. Yeah, but yeah. no, our first responsibility is killing vampires at night. Um, wow. That was a cool little dimension. I like that. Mike Peterson, um, this is not his swan song in in he later joined SHIELD later right. on in the series. Um, uh, and then he's injured and uh loses a limb, a couple of limbs, Ooh. and is enrolled in the Deathlock project. Oh, um, okay. Where he becomes the new Deathlock. Now, Deathlock is the name of several cyborg characters in the Marvel comics. Um, all of them feature kind of um, people that have been horribly harmed who wake up as a frightening kind of cybersunk-styled robot cyborg in a body horror nightmare, sharing their brain with a computer. And... Um, set to do the, the the work of dark and terrible masters. <laughs> um the first one uh, predates Robocop and Terminator. It's from the nineteen seventies. Um and the Deathlock stories were set in the future. like um a soldier from like I think around the seventies or the eighties, American soldier Luther Manning. Um he's fatally injured in a war and then kind of wa- wakes up is reanimated in a post apocalyptic future where his like slightly half-dead body is now been part of the cyborg experiment. He is the Deathlock and he ends up time traveling and meeting like Captain America and some other people and stuff. And he gets locked up by SHIELD as well. And then in the 90s, the the concept is revived with like a present-day version of the character who is in the modern Marvel universe of the 90s. And it's a professor called Michael Collins who He's a pacifist. He works for Rocks on Cybernetics, um, Cyber Tech. They're called, um, <laughs> and uh, he discovers the Deathlock program. They're going to make, you know, soldiers and, and weapons of death. And he's, uh, I don't agree with all of this. And he ends up getting shot by the people in charge. And then when he wakes up, they've transported his brain into the Deathlock cyborg, Jeez. and he's a pacifist now, for, forced to like kill for. The people he was trying to stop, and he's trying to fight them off and things like that, and get control of his consciousness. And that's the, like, that Michael Collins story, that 90s deathlock, that's kind of the one that has influenced the TV show because um, mm. it features a sinister company in it as well in a TV show called Cybertech. So I don't suppose you they, they saw
1: they the film Terminator Salvation. Mm. You you, you, a similar thing happened with that. Wait, the, which
0: one's Salvation? The one that takes place in the future. Oh, God, that's the worst. It with, um, wasn't great with Batman in it. Yeah, Christian Bale's in it. Oh, that is the worst. That's one of the worst movies I've seen. It's, it's horrible. It's
1: dull. It's a dull film because you, it, I won't go too long with this tangent, But whenever you saw the future in the previous Terminator films, that you it looked scary and yeah. threatening, and this it just looked, oh, it's Fallout. <laughs> it's just Fallout game. <laughs> just, oh right, yeah. But they it, a prisoner on death row has their mind uploaded to a robot, if you remember right. That's kind of like what happens here. Oh, and he thinks he's human, but he's actually a a, a Terminator cyborg. Right, right. That was the only good aspect of the film, was Mm. this whole crisis of
0: identity. That was really good. And the rest of it is just like, eh. So to to make a good Terminator movie, they decided to take the plot of Robocop and inject it into Terminator. Inject it into, yeah,
1: incredibly... Dark, Dark Fate was good I liked Dark Fate
0: I thought that was great
1: Dark Fate was a lot of fun um,
0: yeah. I'm not going to rush back To see it But I, I did enjoy it a lot Oh I'll definitely uh, Watch it when it's on uh, Well, it already is of course But I, I'll definitely Get around and watch it On um, thingamajig On uh, streaming If, if really you can like to.
1: Give Sarah Connor Chronicles a go It was a bit of a laugh Ended was, d-
0: it? was it? It was alright Okay I Look I, I, I enjoyed some of I it I don't like network television I like the Sarah Connor Chronicles like cable doesn't make trash all the time. Well, Netflix doesn't make trash all the time.
1: We're in a golden. Was that entry. a Netflix
0: one? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just all sort right. of like saying nowadays right. that's,
1: that's what's happening. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to the let's get back to the show. <laughs> With Mike and his son safe, Coulson offers Skye a place in his team as she is deciding whether or not to become a member of Shield. Coulson gets a call from Ward telling him that an that a uh, that a, an O eight four is happening giving Sky 10 minutes to make a decision. Coulson activates a secret switch in his red sports car, activating its hover mode, and zooms off to meet with the rest of the agents. So this is a great way to end the first episode. Obviously, we've got a lot sprinkling in, like almost like world-building little things to be uncovered later. And... It feels like Sky is like our perspective of being introduced to S.H.I.E.L.D. and the cool stuff, almost. Yeah. Also, this sounds a lot like the Nick Fury stuff we talked about in the previous episode with all the crazy gadgets and stuff. Flying car. Flying car, man. Yeah, that's all it's all about. So, Sky, obviously, as I said, she is the main like, port of view character in this episode. Did they just make her for this, or is she a character from the comic books?
0: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. work really hard <laughs> to try and keep comic book fans guessing. <laughs> I like this. So Weedon and his team, obviously they want to make a great TV show, but what they didn't want is, because they, they knew that a lot of comic book fans were going to come to this, they didn't want the comic book fans to have the experience of, here's a bunch of characters you know, and nothing about their stories will surprise you. Yeah. Because we're just adapting, adapting, adapting. Mm. So... In true Joss Whedon fashion, they craft these long story arcs and character arcs where characters kind of evolve into something else, like that Deathlock thing we just mentioned. Yeah. Like the the guy's name, Mike Peterson. Mike Peterson isn't a Marvel character, but eventually he, he gets when he gets blown up, you go, oh, no, he's died. And then you go, oh, he's missing a leg. And then uh... you go, oh, he's going to become a deathlock. <laughs> so they find ways of doing that. If you know what that is, that's a great way – of keeping it a cool surprise I love it and for the, for the for the comic book reader now sky's real name later in the series is revealed to be daisy johnson right in the comic books daisy johnson is an important character she is nick fury's like hand picked right hand woman the first member of the secret warriors um and the person that he's like Raised up to the ranks in S.H.I.E.L.D. So Daisy Johnson is the illegitimate daughter of a supervillain called Calvin Zabo. Who has this <laughs> alias. That was funny. You like that for some reason. Calvin Zabo. How is that? Yeah. That yeah, is okay.
1: that is a funny name.
0: Okay. Zabo. Um, it's, and he's a supervillain um, known as Mr. Hyde. Because he takes a potion yeah. and gains super strength and kind of goes off and stuff. So... Um, She's got some minor criminal activity As a teenager And then she's taken in by Nick Fury And recruited into the ranks of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she uh, moves on the ranks She's, because of her father's Unique biochemistry She's inherited Some superhuman abilities From her father Hmm. Which gives her the ability to create Kind of earthquake-like Powerful vibrations and Nick Fury has her trained by Shield to weaponize this ability with pinpoint accuracy, so she can cause target objects to vibrate themselves apart from the inside out. She uh, Johnson defeated Magneto by creating like an earthquake in his brain. Mm-hmm. Um, she was able to take down Wolverine by creating an earthquake that exploded his heart in his chest. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's um, awful. Um, she possesses a level 10 shield security clearance there's only two other people that have ever been a level 10 and that 's Nick Fury and the Black Widow. Wow um, so yeah when when fury kind of gets to pose and there 's a civil war going on um, he uh, he kind of uses Daisy to help him put together his secret warriors. she takes the name quake. Um, and um, she leads one team of the Secret Warriors working directly under Nick Fury. And she's briefly, like, I think she gets, becomes an Avenger for like, I don't know, a handful of issues or something. Mm. And she was once director of, of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Fury's absence. So, yeah, they, they, what they do with this TV series, they start off with Sky and then they kind of, down the line, they have her having a, climactic meeting with her father and da, 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 and then yeah. they reveal the real name and you go oh i guess sky's her hacker name okay and then we know so we didn't see it coming um now following this tv series uh they changed in the comic books they changed the character daisy johnson's Source of her powers and her history is altered to be more like the the TV show. They even then introduce her nickname Sky and start calling her Sky, even though they've been calling her Daisy Johnson for the last however many years. Um, and they even change her appearance as well. Okay, um, originally, um, and this is an interesting crossover here. Originally, the artist um, Gabrielle um modeled. Daisy Johnson's look after Angelina Jolie in the film Hackers. Uh, She's got yeah, yeah. super short hair. Yeah, um, Later on in the comics, they alter the look, give her long hair, and make her look more like the actor Chloe Bennett right. um, in, from this TV series. But I thought what was interesting is that Gabrielle Delotto uh, De modeled her on Angelina Jolie in Hackers, and then when they make this TV show, they make her... Odd backstory that she is a hacker. I think it's appropriate in this S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, Will. (laughs) (laughs) A a S.H.I.E.L.D. episode about big hidden secrets that threaten everything. To talk about the big secret that you people out there, the listeners, are keep hiding from yourselves. And that big hidden secret is that you need this show. You need it. You come here each and every single week to pour our delicious, salty content directly into your ears. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that you don't need it. Oh, it's just another podcast. I just listen to it now and then. I don't, I don't need to give them my money. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. You do need to give us your money. And there's evidence of that. Questionator had to give us his money this month. Mickey C, Sam Lawndale. Sally Bishop, they all thought the same. And then this month, they finally admitted the truth. They can't live without Marvel versus Marvel. They had to sign up on Patreon in order to, one, make sure this show stays on the air, but also to make sure they get more episodes via bonus content. You do need us. And to keep it a secret from yourself is going to threaten everything. Because if you don't admit that you need this show, if you don't sign up and support us, then this show will fade away and disappear just like the things that are happening in this SHIELD episode. It's 2023, people. You have to support the shows and the content that you love or it will vanish. You can do that. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You can support us for as little as £3 a month. That is... Barely the cost of a cup of coffee. That's not even the cost of a pint these days. Um, Although I did walk past a dodgy new pub in my area, Will, that's doing a pint of Carling for less than three quid. I'm going to jump on that later in the week. Wow. Um, I know. There's uh, barely the cost of a cup of coffee that me and Will have to share. He puts (laughs) a straw in, I put a straw in, we lock eyes and we slurp up your coffee. (laughs) and there's tons of ways that you can support us and in exchange you're going to get access to amazing rewards for that £3 you're going to get access to all the fun mini-shows we do including Obscure Marvel each and every month Um, go a bit higher than that you can get early access to every main show that we do you get that on a Friday go a bit higher than that you can get access to the Deep Dive bonus episodes um, that go into full detail on Marvel stories, and even further than that, you can get exclusive video content, and that's just there for the top tier players. Now, will mm. obscure Marvel the boomerang? <laughs> A man who fought the Hulk using frisbees and boomerangs. Oh yes, I remember that. God. How does he rank me? Well, you also had a um, the wonderful obscure Marvel league table as created by Mister Peter J. Yeah, that was interesting because, uh, as, as as we've alluded to, I got Pacepot Pete wrong. You thought Pacepot Pete was the worst one you'd ever come across on obscure Marvel. You thought you gave him the high score of five out of five of being a loser. And then we discovered hey mm. Peter J had actually gone back and done the maths and added everything up. You didn't give him that score. You thought he was great. You loved him. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, that's very true. Very true. Who did, who's the first five I gave? Uh um Swarm, the man made of nasty bees. Was it. Swarm. Yeah, uh, that that that, so that killed me. Every single month me and Will explore the most ridiculous characters and stories in the history of Marvel, um, on Obscure Marvel, and Will dies laughing. And look, we the things we look at come true very often. We did a Leapfrog episode, and then Leapfrog turned up on the She-Hawk TV show. <laughs> yeah. We did a Cobra episode last month, and they've just announced Cobras in the new Captain America movie. That's So Obscure mad. Marvel's where you want to be. Um, and our deep dives as well We can't talk about Spider-Geddon Because uh, Will's not recovered yet from Spider-Geddon He was shook by that one uh, But of course we did War of Kings And we've done uh, Maximum Carnage And we did yeah. the deep dive Like our deep dive When we did the Civil War uh, main show We then did like a whole other 2-3 hours On the actual Civil War comic books And what happened in that um, We're going to be doing the same this month With Secret Invasion It's just a uh, Absolutely mega, absolutely huge. There are 73 Deep Dive bonus episodes right now. Um, This month we're doing a deep dive into Secret Invasion. The Marvel Civil War has left the superhero community more vulnerable than ever before. As Friend turns on Friend and half the Avengers become wanted criminals, being hunted down by Tony Stark, who is now leading S.H.I.E.L.D., Into the middle of all this terrifying a terrifying secret is uncovered. The shape-shifting scrolls have invaded the Earth in secret, replacing key figures around the globe. Everyone is wrapped into this one. The X-Men, the Avengers, Spider-Man. It's a grand conspiracy. No one knows who they can trust. Secret Invasion, one of the best crossover events Marvel has ever put together. One of the best long-term storylines. It's great. We're going to take you on a full deep dive into the stories that have inspired... The latest Marvel Disney Plus show. That is our full-length deep dive bonus episode for the month of July. You can get that on Patreon.com/slash Marvel versus Marvel. For a limited time in July, you can get a seven-day free trial. Patreon have just made this possible, so we're gonna give it a go. You can explore all our bonus shows from the mega deep dives to the fun mini shows. Seven days of Marvel versus Marvel bonus content for free. Head to patreon.com/slash Marvel versus Marvel and look for that V I E P tier on a free trial. Back to the show,
1: episode 2-084. Arriving at the bus, Sky starts unpacking her things onto what will be her new home. Ward isn't happy with Coulson hiring a terrorist as a consultant for S.H.I.E.L.D. But Coulson needs someone who doesn't think like them. Coulson... Yeah, you need
0: someone who thinks like a terrorist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if to, to fight the terrorist, I must become a terrorist. <laughs> Coulson also informs them that a 084, something that was called in earlier, is a designation for something that they know nothing about. Welcoming Skye to her bunk, Coulson tells her about his faked death and their next mission, Peru. So I'm absolutely amazed by the bus. It's just an incredible thing You know, Just this, 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 this mobile base You know, plane Okay. The, the only time I've seen that being you It happened, it was, was in Metal Gear Solid 4 Where your mobile base is just a big
0: plane <laughs> I just thought it was cool <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess so I like it, it's cool It just feels like Star Trek to me yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. it feels like I have to go it's flying around and then you go to the next bit Although, there you, you go, know, yeah.
1: I, I hope it's powered by something uh, Clean because the amount of fuel they'll be using is astronomical, probably.
0: True. Yeah, true. Hopefully.
1: But, you know, I don't want to ruin it with... Uh... S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: have to save the world so they can burn all the oil. <laughs> oh, that's
1: satire. So, Agent Coulson uh, died in the Avengers, supposedly. But, you know, then he's faked it, apparently. Did he Did he ever die or fake his
0: death in the comic books? We talked about when he was introduced. Hmm. We briefly touched on something called Secret Empire. Hmm. Um, during the Secret Empire event, Agent Coulson learns that Steve Rogers was involved in welcoming and attracting an alien invasion to Earth. Ooh. And as he discovers this, he is shot out of the sky and dies by Deadpool's hand, on after the orders of Steve Rogers. Mm. Um, and then that, that's that's the secret empire. Uh, that's Hydra Cap. We'll deal with that one day. Um, but then Coulson reemerges later on, years later, in perfect health as a major player in like a shadowy sort of unofficial council of the industrial, the military industrial complex, politicians, businessmen, generals. It's um, something that's kind of informally known as the power elite. Hmm. And he here he is Expressing an intense hatred For Captain America And other heroes um, As one would If one was shot to death And blown up by them um, And if one of them Was revealed to be A big Hydra fella um, And he's seeking to replace The Avengers With his own team Of superheroes Who will work For the American government The new Squadron Supreme Oh, exciting during the War of the Realms, where Asgard, evil Asgard, e- evil people from the multi- many realms of Asgard invade uh, Earth, Midgard, Coulson sends the uh, Squadron Supreme to protect and defend America from an army of frost giants. But what these American heroes do is merely herd the frost giants across the border to wreak havoc on Canada. Something which is not their problem, because they don't work for Canada. <laughs> um, and uh, when it all goes on, Hyperion, the leader of the Squadron Supreme, states Squadron Supreme are the United States-sanctioned superhero team, um, and they're there because the Avengers have become anti-American. They're an anti-American team now. They don't believe in winning... <laughs> <laughs> There's some fun stuff going on with these stories, um, but yes, because because um, because that Avengers is led by a black man, the Black Panther from Wakanda. Yeah, there are these people in America in the comics and people in the government who are like, well, they're not m- not my Avengers.
1: Um, and it becomes
0: like, oh, they're anti-American now because they just look after foreign interests by saving other countries. Um, It's lots of fun, Had. Um, It's later revealed that Agent Coulson did indeed die during the Secret Empire event. And then he went to hell because he has killed people. (laughs) And when he got to hell, he struck a deal with Mephisto. And this deal... Got him back from the dead, raised him to an incredible position of influence in the American government, kind of kind of like almost an Omen-style thing. What you want is to have your satanic uh, agent of Mephisto working for the government on a very high level, and it's responsible for this worrying new Squadron Supreme team. That's a fun story. That that does sound fun. I'm, re- I'm really
1: hoping we get some Mephisto... Action soon in the MCU. I know
0: we're aging towards vampires with Blade, but man. I don't know. I don't know. Mephisto might be a a hard sell kind of outside of. uh, It depends how they do it. What's been done with him recently is is very good. I just sell it to the
1: public because you get to see Spider Man punch Satan in the face.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, but the general public—they really don't like things that are that are too unreal. They really struggle with it.
1: That's why it won't happen just yet. You got to You got, mm. got to slowly build up those steps. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be like a graph. Like this is how we start from a guy building a suit of armor in a cave to someone punching Satan in the face. Yeah. yeah simple steps. Anyway, arriving at an Incan archaeological site in Peru. The team discovers an ancient pyramid. Skye suggests to Coulson that they warn the locals about the danger of the 084. But Coulson tells her that it's best to keep it secret to avoid panic. Mentioning the time an antimatter meteor almost destroyed Miami, but it was successfully kept hidden from public knowledge. Sky's role in this mission is to use her hacking skills to distract the public if word of the dangerous artefact gets out. That, Feeding... Sorry, that's,
0: that sounds like her role... It's, in this mission is to use her hacking skills to distract the public if work would of the dangerous artefact gets out. That sounds like she's going to hack a celebrity and release their nudes. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Never the alien artefact on the news. Tom Hanks sex tape just dropped. Good work, Sky.
1: <laughs> but basically, your role in this mission is Rupert Murdoch.
0: How did she know? Like, I understand she thinks she's working with good guys, but like, one episode ago, she was like, Freedom of Information, down with the man, hacktivist group. And in this one, it's like, Your job is to suppress truth from the people. And it's just an amazing 180 for her. She was sleeping in a van, Rob. She was sleeping in a van Well now Every- she's sleeping in a van in, in the sky she's
1: not- <laughs> Everyone has their price Rob Especially <laughs> those
0: sleeping in a bloody van meeting TikTok with- tells me it's
1: very desirable now Everyone wants to sleep in a van That's because we've normalised uh, lack Van of, talk Yeah we've normalised lack of living space Anyway uh, Meeting with the archaeological professor That discovered the artefact Coulson and the team are led inside the pyramid after the professor explains confusion about the existence of the artifact. So I love this mention of Miami <laughs> nearly being destroyed and kept and keeping dangers out of public knowledge. It's, it feels like Men in Black, where they gave hints. Yes, definitely. Yeah, they gave hints at like, oh yeah, there's, there's always a world-ending event happening, but you know, we've got to keep the public
0: calm. That first Men in Black movie was so good. I've seen it too many times now to yeah. enjoy it. Um when I was young I used to watch it a lot and it but it was so so good when it first came out what it did was it it, it was like possibility this whole world that
1: could branch out in so many ways and what the second and what the follow up films proved was that no uh, you can't <laughs> <laughs> but one, one thing, the I, I uh, on a very uh, marvel uh, adjacent thing uh, I didn't know that Vincent D'Onofrio played oh. Uh, the, the, the bad guy in Men in Black, the first film. Of course, mm, the actor who plays, plays Kingpin. And someone posted on Twitter the clip where he gets transformed, you know, you know, gets his skin stolen, basically, by the bug. Uh, and they said, they were saying, like, we don't we, we, we need to appreciate his performance here. It's brilliant. You know, when he just comes in and he's like, can't walk properly because it's Yeah, it's and very it, good. And it's just and you look at it and go, oh my god, it's Vincent D'Onofrio, but he just looks like a rotting mess. Well, dungarees. Men in Black was
0: originally a comic book Yep. published by Malibu Comics, mm. who were later purchased by Marvel Comics. So um, I can't read the Men in Black comics. <laughs> I think I'll let you. I don't think there's any real way to claim Men in Black as a Marvel comic. Have you read um, the, Com- the Coast Comics? Yeah. It's nothing really like the movie. It's not. It's, it's, it, they just took like this idea the the, um, the the phenomena the real life phenomena of men in blacks the uh, government agents suppressing real life phenomena
1: well you know quote the I real sh- life
0: phenomena of uh, people having their bums probed by aliens yeah cool
1: <laughs> shut up inside the dark chambers of the pyramid the team comes face to face with a high-tech looking object attached to the side of a wall scanning it simmons determines that it must have been here at least 1000 500 years predating the temple by a millennia but Fitz notices that the shape and craftsmanship of the object is almost German. Outside the pyramid Ward talks with agent May about her past before suddenly apprehending several armed soldiers hidden in the tree line. Suddenly they are surrounded by a dozen troops at gunpoint. So the craftsmanship of the object is almost German. I wonder what German organisation in Marvel, the Marvel Universe, could have placed a high-tech device there, Rob. I wonder which one.
0: Look, if we're going to do a a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. show, you're going to have to expect there to be lots of Nazis in it. <laughs> Nazis. Um, it's
1: not just any kind of Nazis. Future Nazis. Uh, so, Peru... It's good, to be out of New, it's good to be out of New York for once in Marvel. Isn't it just? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? just? Is, is there any significance with Peru, or is it they did they just pick a random South African country? Sorry, South American country for, uh, <clears throat> for
0: this. Is there any significance?
1: There any cool facts or anything? Any significance in the Marvel universe to do with Peru? Is it? Is, uh, there, is, is there a
0: reason why they're here? The Incans. The so the Incans in the per, in the Peruvian region. Um. They um, were visited by the celestials at one point. And in fact, the uh, ancient Incans built uh, the city of the space gods in reverence of these celestials who were gods to them. Who were gods to anyone, quite frankly. The celestials pretty much look like gods to me. Um, (laughs) the, The city of the celestials is like this network of ancient Incan temples um, located in in this kind of very hidden region of the Andes mountains, mm. um, and there 's lots of like carvings and statues of the celestials there, and like recreations of their godlike technology um, there 's also a hidden chamber which contains within it a beacon to summon the celestials to come and pass the final judgment over the earth, which would end the world. Oh, so obviously wow. the, the right is there tying in all the kind of Incan yeah. you know end of the world prophecies and things like that to um to uh to the celestials. Um and Ajax of the Eternals um was known uh by the Peruvian the Incan people um as oh, what was he known as? Uh, uh Probably pronounced differently than that Um mm-hmm. And he protected the Incan people From kind of like these uh, Deviants uh, And the, uh, the Ukupacha um, The demons from the lower world um, Yes yeah, so there's something there Also the second The second spider woman Julia Carpenter gets her powers From Plants from the jungles of Peru oh, Wow <laughs> um, there was the, uh, a doctor, Sylvia Yaku, um, who was commissioned by the Commission on Superhuman Activities to create superhumans that work for the government. Um, and uh, this doctor, Dr. Sylvia, went, right, there are these... Plants in the jungles of Peru—they create awesome drugs. Let's go and get them. And they test their research on Julia Carpenter, who becomes the second Spider Woman. And then later, she goes, "I want those powers," and she repeats the experiment on herself and other people. And she becomes Arachne. Um, and she creates <laughs> further. That one was funny. Was that funny? It's just that's such a Stan Lee name, like a super. Like a, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. That is like. Stan Lee name would be like Spider Lady. Oh, okay. <laughs> or like you know, Stanley would never have come up with a character called Venom. He would never have come up with Arachne. They're two they're two slightly like hidden. They're two slightly good names.
1: Yeah. He would have
0: the okay. spider fighter, the okay. spider soldier. <laughs> yeah, that's what he'd have The, the okay. tarantula man. <laughs> the tarantula um, <laughs> Yeah, so she she becomes like a supervillain yeah. with spider woman powers and she creates the death web. Who were a whole bunch of people with like venom and toxin based powers, and they plagued the um, the West Coast Avengers and Spider woman and stuff. So oh. yeah, not not a huge amount of okay. um, Prince Namor stopped, and I, I think in the fifties Atlantis tried to invade all of South America, and the young Prince Namor avoided avoided that one. Um, but I can't really think of much much else with Peru really or, or South America. Prince Namor,
1: God. Mm. So. Radioing Coulson within the pyramid, Ward tells him there's a situation outside. Calmly exiting the pyramid and speaking Spanish, Coulson introduces himself to the group, but the military leader, Camila Reyes, is surprised to see Philip Coulson, who is equally surprised to see her. As they kiss each other on the cheek, Coulson tells his agents that Camila is an ally in the Peruvian military whom he used to work with a while back. Meanwhile, inside the pyramid, Fitz's scans seems to show that the device is... Alive. However, Ward and Sky clash over their thoughts on the rebel soldiers fighting against the Peruvian government. Either way, the team needs to be alert for rebels. I love these situations and these things where it's like, "Oh no, it's the bad guys!" Oh, but the leader's actually an old friend, and this is like a big you catch-up. son of a
0: bitch, <laughs> yeah, Dilla, You, <laughs> son- I thought you were dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. I it I I know it's a trope but it, I I'm sorry, it just doesn't get old for me. I I I love it. I love it.
0: Well, there's something fun in it because it, it hints at this dark connection, this old past and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of it's world building without really telling you much. Yeah, because you I think you just kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yourself.
1: Yeah. yeah. So Camilla Reyes, uh, is she just a, a a bit part here or is she a actual character from the comics?
0: I uh initially thought she was a character from the comics, um, but that's because I got the names wrong. Oh. Um there is an X-Men character called Cecilia Reyes, not Camelia Reyes. Oh um, was she the one in the New Mutants film? Oh hmm. Not sure. Um Cecilia Reyes. Um, is uh, from a Puerto Rican family, she's raised in the Bronx, and she has force field powers, but it's mainly a doctor. And she just absolutely does not want to be a superhero or in the X-Men. Uh, so she's quite an interesting character. But yeah, no, so I assumed initially, I went, oh, we can talk about that character. And then I went, no, it's a completely different person. I just looked up, that that was C- uh,
1: Cecilia Reyes in the new Mutants film, the, the evil doctor, because of course, remember, she was using yeah. the force fields to keep him in. Not really <laughs> It's a very forgettable movie It's, yeah <laughs> Potential wasted Coulson catches up with Camilla Discussing what will happen with the discovered device But their conversation is cut short When a sheep blows up The rebels are attacking Coulson I thought fl- you said
0: When a sheep blows up
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, Would that have been more dramatic? No Coulson fights along Camilla's I don't know. Colson fights alongside Camilla's men against the rebels, while the rest of the team packs up their equipment as fast as they can. Ignoring Fitz's warnings about the instability of the device, Ward rips it out of the wall and bags it up. The team exits the pyramid while Colson and Camilla shoot their way out, coming under fire outside the pyramid. The rest of the team takes cover while Ward activates a pulse weapon that blows the rebels back, giving everyone a chance to evacuate as a lone rebel soldier draws his rifle against the team may covers them with a bulletproof jeep and escorts everyone out of the area for an early episode um, of the first season of this
0: show this was pretty good action a pretty good action scene you you says why would why would there not be a good action scene in the second episode but there would be in uh, the twentieth. I don't know. Well, why have you written it down then? <laughs> what was your thought based on?
1: I thought <laughs> I had very low expectations with the show. Ah, we go. Okay, I had low expectations, yeah. Rob.
0: Look, look, look. I'm not. It's the not, early not episode suckle. that throws me. I don't understand the, uh, what the early episode bit is. Oh, because
1: usually my my thing is like you save up bigger things for when you have a budget and you secured a new season. You know, there's vested interest after the first season. If that makes okay. Sense. That's the way okay. I usually see these kind of things. It's like right. you know, oh, we didn't have the budget back then
0: because you know there wasn't. You know, it was it was the first season or the first whatever. Oh no, they're coming off Avengers. They got the budget. They got uh, the budget. Yeah. Fine. Yeah.
1: So, Shield caught up in South American politics between a government and rebel armies sounds a bit um, <laughs> CIA. Yeah, CIA. So have shield have ever attempted a coup d'etat and taken over
0: a country or anything like this? Yes, but not in South America. Mm. So Nick Fury had discovered evidence that virtually all of the tech-based supervillains in America, kind of like the, the, the B-class and C-class ones, were getting their tech and supplied and funded through a bunch of slush funds and dummy companies that all led back to Latveria, the hostile european nation ran by dr doom um something like that arming dissidents to commit acts of violence on american soil means that those aren't just like criminals and villains they are state-sponsored terrorists uh and that's an act of war um so fury prepares this violent retaliation he takes this evidence the to, to the US government, and the US government are like, shut it down. No, 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 no. We don't want to deal with any of that. We don't... Like, you're... You fly off on a hair trigger, and you know what? Dr. Doom's not around anymore. He died or something, or he's stuck <laughs> in the past, whatever is happening. um And the uh, the current prime minister, they're kind of being... Uh, good, good bit of diplomacy with them, so don't bring this stupid stuff to our door anymore. And Fury <laughs> is like... I'm a simple guy. I found an enemy of the I found the enemy, I know where they are, and I know they've done horrible things and they've cost lives, and then I go and destroy them, that's what I do. So he ignores them and decides to wage a secret war. Oh, we like that. That he phrase. he coerces and blackmails a bunch of superheroes into taking part in a black ops mission to overthrow the Latvian government and assassinate the prime minister von Bardas. Wow! It's Captain America, Daredevil, Spider Man, Wolverine, Luke Cage. Um, and when Fury reaches von Bardas, he has. Uh, Daisy Johnson, Quake, use her seismic powers to take the castle doomed down, burying the Latverian leader and killing them and all that kind of stuff. Um, the whole thing it went horribly wrong. It was exposed immediately. The big public debacle. Um, the team had to go in height. The team weren't wearing. It was so black ops. They weren't wearing their costumes. They were wearing stealth suits. Ah, okay. And operating under different superhero pseudonyms. So it was like, if anyone catches you, you're not Captain America, mm. you're the captain. And you don't wear the American flag. And yeah. you're not Spider-Man, you're, you know, the Tarantula Man or something. Night <laughs> monkey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the situation, they have to smuggle themselves out of the country, go into hiding. The situation is so explosive that Fury even has the heroes mind-wiped so they don't remember mm. ever <sighs> taking part in... It is a completely secret war. Um, but yes, the the plan was to stay, topple that government, get someone in more sympathetic. A
1: superhero black op. Mm. Okay, I, I, I guess I'll never read it, but that sounds cool. <laughs> Driving at full speed through the jungle, the team are pursued by rebels firing at them. Driving up the bus's ramp... Ward closes the plane's ramp while Coulson, with the help of Camilla and her troops, arrives back and everybody boards. Fitz explains that the device is a fuel cell powered by Tesseract technology, something far more radioactive than a nuclear device. While the bus is in the air, Simmons nervously examines the fuel cell. Talking with Camilla and her men, Coulson tells her that the device will be safely contained at a shield facility. In the lab, Ward complains to Coulson about their poor communication skills during the firefight leading to the team squabbling. Coulson calms them down immediately and tells them to work together in completing their mission. The bickering during the car chase was, uh, was great. Like, don't roll down the window! Very good. Very Marvel as well. Very mar- Yeah, very Marvel. <clears throat> the soldiers make themselves at home on the bus while Coulson gives Camilla the grand tour. Fitz and Simmons continue their analysis on the device, which appears to have an incredible amount of energy. Talking with Ward, Skye explains her views on the rebels fighting against the Peruvian government, leading to the two appreciating their different points of view and how different they are, but that doesn't mean they can't work together. In his quarters, Coulson shows off some of the historic shield tech to Camilla. As the two reminisce, Coulson is surprised at Camilla flirting with him. Downstairs, Ward looks at Camilla's men with caution, asking Skye for a bottle before smashing it against one of the soldier's hands and fighting them both. While this is happening, one of Camilla's troops uses a device to pump sleeping gas into the cockpit, knocking out Agent May. Camilla suddenly attacks Coulson, with Coulson blocking her and running downstairs to see what's going on. Seeing Camilla's men apprehending the agents, Coulson questions why Camilla is doing this, who explains after seeing the agents fighting with each other, she does not trust his team with the device. Again, more world building. 1930s walkie talkie wristwatch. Like, I'd love to see some of the backstory that led to S.H.I.E.L.D. Do we get that in Agent Carter
0: out of interest? No. Um, <clears throat> in Agent Carter, she works for the SSR, which is the Marvel, the, the MCU version of the OSS. She works ah, okay. in them both seasons. Um, so she's. The, the kind of the point of it is that it's really good. The point of it is that she's being dismissed and pushed aside in that series. Um, it's like a reflection of what happened to women's independence once the war ended yes. and all the men came back to the workforce. Um, so those seasons are about like Peggy and Howard Stark facing the kind of stuff that eventually convinces them, even though the war has ended, there needs to be something like S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Um I think they had plans to show S.H.I.E.L.D. eventually, but I, I would imagine it would be a bit like the Smallville TV show. Yeah. The Smallville TV show is, it's the journey of young Clark Kent becoming Superman. Once he puts on the cape, your show's over. Yeah. And this, I feel, was a little bit like that. Once Peggy gets behind a desk and is in control of a massive government agency with funding and all that kind of stuff... I think you've kind of killed off what the show works best on, which is this cool kind of tension and dilemmas and dramas and Mm. she's trying to keep her her, her work secret and trying to have a social life. And, you know, once you've actually set up S.H.I.E.L.D., I imagine that would be like the last thing they wanted to show you. (laughs) The (laughs) last thing they want to show is boom, and there that's the day, like the last episode, the last two-parter is them trying to create S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. But it it never got that far. It got cancelled... in the second series, bloody hell, that's a shame. Looking forward to watching it, though.
1: Camilla is uh, framed as the bad guy here, but in a way, she's kind of got a logical reason for not trusting the agents Of the device. It's like, yes, they wouldn't stop bickering. <laughs> yeah, would stop bickering, and uh, you know, what, what if what if the bickering causes them to drop the device? Think about that, Rob. Think about it. Think about it. Camilla's men take control of the bus and change its flight path while Camilla has Coulson restrained in the lounge with the rest of the team tied up by the exit ramp in the cargo bay. The team squabbles for a second but realise they need to work together to get out of this situation. Talking with Coulson, Camilla reveals that she knew the device was a weapon all along. Peru commissioned the weapon decades ago after the country took in hydro scientists after, after the end of World War II. But Coulson is quick to remind her that since aliens invaded New York, humanity needs to put aside its differences and work together. So, more uh, operation paperclip
0: referencing? <laughs> hey, I was mm, not really, not really. Well, cuz operation paperclip is America and m- you might extend it to to oh, like Sorry, yeah, Britain. of course it's, This so... is just Nazis running away to South America. That's what they all that's, did.
1: That's it. But well, there's well, this
0: guy. There's this interview podcast interview with this guy who's been there. They said there are there are places in South America which it's like it's like Germany. There are small towns that were established by these war criminals and these people that fled, and God and they the set up all this money. And it is like everyone is white, everyone speaks German, <laughs> and it's all based on these people that fled and the stuff that they carried over there. And then yes. their money goes up to to up across the border to fund, you know. White supremacist groups and stuff in America It's oh, a scary story That's It was on Joe Rogan I mean, I'm not a big Joe Rogan fan But that 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 was a really interesting uh, interview Bloody hell So, well,
1: well you know I've, I've mentioned Operation Paperclip Now, might as well <laughs> Wrongly, but I might, we might as well, you know Talk about it Does it pop up in the comics?
0: Not really It's probably alluded to as like The real world thing happened yeah. But, um I mean, certainly, I mean, just to to, to ape what happened there, definitely, so uh, Baron Zemo fled to South America mm. after the Second World War. Armin Zola fled to South America after the Second World War. Operation Paperclip, I mean, the closest I can think of is quite a recent series, which is called Adventures 1959, um, which was where uh, Nick Fury, in 1959, puts together a group of special people <laughs> to haunt Nazis. Right. Nazi war criminals that escaped justice. Um, there a TV show like this. The, yes, there's, there's lots of movies and TV shows because it's a real world thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the team he puts together is Victor Creed, who, of course, we better know as Sabretooth. Oh, uh, wow. Namora, the cousin of Prince Namor. Um... Or no, 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 no. No, it's not. It's not that that's Namorita. Namora Hmm. I'm struggling to think of her relationship to Namor now. Not mother. Hmm. That's an interesting one. I've got Namora and Namorita mixed up. Uh Craven the Hunter. Um <sighs> Silver Sable, but it's the father of the Silver Sable from the comic books, who's a bounty hunter. Hmm. Dominic Fortune, who is a like a, a an established kind of like 50s, 60s um, mercenary adventurer. Uh, And Ulysses Bloodstone, (laughs) who we know from Werewolf by Night. Oh, I was thinking of the other Ulysses. No, in Werewolf by Night, the whole thing is all the people are brought together by the death of Ulysses Bloodstone bloodstone. and his daughters there and all of that. And he's a big monster hunter in the comics. So those are... Sort they're no, not really, but they're it's loosely referred to as because it they first came up during an Avengers story. That's sort of like a team of special people that Nick Fury puts together and they're hunting Nazi war criminals. You can kind of call them the Avengers of the Fifties if you want. Um and during that story we find um two senators, um Sanford and and uh Sydenham. Um uh Side Sydenham Side Sydenham? Sydenham. 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 Yeah you're right. Sydenham. Sanford and Sydenham, who want to use Nazi scientists, soldiers, and superhumans to fight the real great battle against communism.
1: <laughs> um, I love it.
0: And they go so far as when they're trying to persuade like government figures and military generals um, to to join their cause, they their, their their actual like language is America should have. Been fighting alongside the Nazis during the Second World War Ooh, to turn boy. back the aggression of the Russians. Um, and so the senators eventually form a government sponsored team of super Nazis, including uh, World War II villains like Baron Blood, Wunder Knight, and the Spider Queen. Uh, and they end up. Wunder And they end up clashing with Fury's uh, Nazi hunting Avengers team. So there's Jeez. a little bit there, but not. I mean, that's very paperclippy, but. It reminds me,
1: I was recently listening to uh, Behind the Bastards podcast episodes uh, about the non Nazis who helped Hitler get into power. And there's this whole thing of like, yeah, there was a lot of Americans who were in support of the Nazi party who were actually, a, you know, German bored apparently. And it was like, oh,
0: wow, that, that was quiet. <laughs> Do you know what you are if you help a Nazi? <laughs> a Nazi? <laughs> You're not that dissimilar. <laughs> I mean you look the same to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that was a that was a particularly interesting one by the well, we way. We had it.
0: We had it in this country massively. Yeah, we what the black shirts, the black shirts, yeah. We also had members of our royal family strongly supporting. Um, I, I I live uh, just a short walk from Cable Street where the famous battle happened. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're going to put the Nazis back in the box and continue the story. In the cargo bay, Ward is about to free himself after dislocating his wrist, but the soldier guarding them is taken out by Agent May. Camilla patronises Coulson, making fun of his younger team and red sports car, calling it his midlife crisis. But Coulson still has faith in his team, telling Camilla that she gave them something they need to work together, a common enemy. Back in the cargo bay, the team huddles up and tries to form a plan of attack, but Agent May forgoes this opting to simply drive a jeep through the door, allowing them to storm the button. <laughs> I love Agent May. Uh, yeah, me this, too. Yeah. Clicking her wrist as well, telling us that she also dislocated it to free herself was a nice little quick yeah. punchline. That was that was great. Badass character. I uh, Also, there's a, there's a parallel here with the Avengers. Uh, he needs to get them to stop bickering and work together and gives them a common thing to unite against, which was, of course, Coulson's death. His death, yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, this this parallels that. That's really good. In the lab, Fitz uses one of his drones to infiltrate the air vent while the rest of the team gear up for the next step of their plan. Agent Coulson notices the drone while S.H.I.E.L.D. radios through. Knowing his team is in place ready, ready to take action, Coulson continues playing along for Camilla and reports back to S.H.I.E.L.D. that everything is okay. Fitz, readying himself with the rest of the team, uses his drone to activate the tesseract device, which blows a hole in the side of the bus, depressurizing it and venting out Camilla's men. Coulson and Camilla grab on perilously to avoid being sucked out. This is Mission Impossible stuff right here. We're, we're yeah. This is this is the level of like Tom Cruise Mission Impossible stuff.
0: Yeah, it's stuff that's like because the Bourne stuff is much more low key. It's grounded, very grounded. Yeah. But Mission Impossible stuff is like, or or maybe even modern Bond. But yeah, in my mind, whenever we're talking Bond, I'm thinking of the older stuff, which is mm. a bit more. But yeah, Mission Impossible is you spot on. Yeah, absolutely. So these uh, characters we have, these agents, uh, Ward, Masons,
1: and Fitz, uh, are these comic book characters, or did they just create them for the TV show to have a
0: a, a new set of faces or something? Yeah, they're just created for the TV show. There aren't a lot of like famous, um, uh, like shield agents that aren't like you know Nick Fury and stuff like that and i think that um the the famous names are probably going to be saved for movies anyway so they they yeah. made up some new characters in 2014 a great marvel writer called mark wade um was the launching a a new series for marvel um called agents of shield and it was based on uh, no it was called shield i think actually um yeah it was called shield and it's based on the tv show and it introduces Marvel six one six universe versions of all these characters. Ah, very um, nice. Okay. Led by Agent Coulson and um yeah, it it, it 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 gives them the a slightly different spin. It doesn't um share events with the T V series because it's fully a part of the six one six universe. But it tries to maintain the kind of the characters and the relationships and the personalities of the T V show, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um I I I love Mark Wade. I never gave this series much of a go because I don't know. It's 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 um what you might call an anthology, so each issue is like a one and done story. Yeah. Um yeah. and not really any connections between them. That's rarely popular with long time comic book fans and readers like myself. Um, we are there for the on the, the ongoing story, the story art, the cliffhanger, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it it seems to exist mainly as a, as a jumping on point for fans of the TV show, and I'm sure it did a very good job. Mark Wade's a terrific writer, so I'm, I'm sure it was 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 done very well to a high high standard. And they did it like it. It got rebranded in 2016, um, and it became uh, Agents of Shield instead of just Shield. Um, so yeah, there's something there. Oh, nice. The drop in cabin pressure releases the doors,
1: allowing the team to move through, but are immediately fired at by a soldier. Ward restrains the troops while releasing, while the rest of the team moves through the plane. Simmons is able to grab the tesseract device, but Sky takes a risk and heads off further down the plane with a plan of her own, going against the team's warnings. Meanwhile, Camilla is nearly sucked out of the plane, but Coulson grabs onto her, saying, I don't want you to know what a 30,000 drop feels like. Agent May gets the cockpit to level out the plane, but is pounced on by a soldier, whom she promptly takes out. A soldier attacks Fitz and Simmons, but Ward steps in with the soldier grabbing onto Ward to stop himself getting vented. However, the soldier's sleeve rips and is sucked out. The next second, Sky executes her plan, infiltrating an emergency, sorry, infl- inflating an emergency uh, inflatable life raft that covers the hole inside the, the plane, repressurizing the cabin. With the plane under control, Coulson tells a restrained Camilla, told you they were good. I like that the plane safety brief, like, that early on, makes another appearance, and it's like a little hint to what happens next. Nice yeah. touch there. Yeah. Like, uh, and the line about her being the first one to read the safety pamphlet on her. It's
0: great. great. So, it's a great script, it really is. Oh,
1: it's, it's it's tremendous. It's, 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 it's Very Josh, smart. Very smart. So... Shield has a heli carrier. Would they need anything like the bus in the comics?
0: <laughs> mm, well, we don't. We, well, we obviously in the comics we see the heli carrier. We know they have you know fighter jets and 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 helicopters, and there must be some transport cargo sh- ships and stuff. And they also have flying jetpacks for like soldiering stuff. I don't mm. think they've got anything quite like the bus. The closest that we get is the Shield Sky Destroyer, um, <laughs> which is a bad name for a good guy vehicle. Um it's like a mini heli carrier. Yeah. Um so it's bigger than the bus but it's but it's smaller than a heli carrier. It's big enough to house like an entire shield squadron um who can have like jetpacks and come out of it and stuff like that. It has immense firepower but it's a lot faster than the heli carrier which takes forever to go anywhere. Um yeah, so yeah, I I don't think the heli the heli carrier is not good for what they're doing. It's not good for getting places nipping around. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a mobile
1: base and then there's a huge mobile base. It's like, yeah, I get it, I get it. Landing at the slingshot, a classified airstrip, the bus is fixed up with Coulson checking his sports car for any scratches. Sky questions how crazy her life is going to get with S.H.I.E.L.D. before asking Coulson what happened to Camilla. Coulson explains that she'll be captive for a short time before her government can negotiate her release. But Sky really wants to know what was going on between them back in the day. Colson tells her that that is classified. Warden May. That was,
0: but that's done like in a. She's saying you were shagging. Yeah, and that's done, That's not like a in a spy way. It was yeah. like what was going on? Was, really what was going away, That's yeah, classified. Yeah. That's what classified.
1: That was a nice touch. Yeah. Warden May talk about Sky's position on the team, with Ward agreeing to mentor her into a good field agent. Sitting on the cargo bay ramp with some beers, the team bonds. With Colson asking whose idea it was to blow a hole in the plane with everyone agreeing it was a team effort, just what Coulson wanted to hear. As they talk, they watch a rocket launching off to take the Tesseract device to where no one can misuse it,
0: the sun. <laughs> the next That's sec- not scientific in the slightest. Yeah. It's, like, it's this thing that might explain and kill everyone. What are you do with it? I'm going to shoot it to the sun.
1: <laughs> the next second, Sky gets an encrypted communication from Rising Tide, asking her for a location. Oh, Sky oh. simply replies, I'm in. <sighs> yeah, I like that twist. Later on the bus, Shield Director Nick Fury scolds Coulson for the damage caused the plane during the fight, and expresses his doubts over Skye's loyalty. Also, I loved that they got a cameo from Samuel Jackson in the show yeah. for that bit. But I never thought I'd see him yell at Coulson like that. That was a bit like, <laughs> oh
0: no, don't don't do that. To get some good coming, uh, Toby Jones shows up as I'm in Zollern Excellent. Future episodes, things like that. There's some good stuff.
1: Yeah. So, uh, obviously, nice little twist with Sky at the end communicate with Rising Tide. Obviously, you know, I don't know what happens next, but it keeps you guessing. So, there's a lot of secrets flying around at the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> don't I dare ask, does S.H.I.E.L.D. have any proper
0: deep, dark secrets in the comics? So, so. the S.H.I.E.L.D. paramilitary espionage agency is actually an offshoot of an ancient occult organisation called the Brotherhood of the S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> Shield was filmed. It founded by Imhotep. Um, Imhotep, Imhotep, like the advisor to the ancient Egyptian yeah. pharaoh in the 28th century. Um, it was founded by Imhotep, Apocalypse, and the original Moon Knights. Yes, um, before the birth of Christ, and it, after ancient Egypt was invaded by uh, the X Men bad guys, the Brood, who are aliens. Mm. Um, The Brotherhood of the Shield then becomes this, like, almost like the Knights Templar, but but dating back way before them. Ah, okay. This occult organization um, dedicated solely to saving mankind and the Earth from destruction. And it has recruited in its time the greatest minds and most talented people in history. Um, The Chinese scientist... Zhang Heng tricked a celestial into not destroying the word, the world. Um, Galileo once built an device that was able to stop Galactus, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Galileo beat Galactus. Um, Michelangelo it was a member of the uh, of the Brotherhood of the Shield, um, and he built some steampunk cybernetics that turned Nikola Tesla into a rudimentary cyborg. known as the Night Machine. Um, Isaac Newton then murdered his mentor, Galileo, and became the new leader of the Shield. Um, Newton, who's a ruthless mf kidnapped Nostradamus, fed him the Infinity Formula to make him immortal, and then tortured him for centuries to keep telling him predictions of the future so that Newton could constantly be aware of... Of world ending threats That that Nostradamus was predicting Um, So that's the Brotherhood of the Shield Um, And um, it's this brotherhood That has both Howard Stark And Nathaniel Richards They're members of Hmm. Um, And it's from this idea That they help to Set up the science and espionage Version of the Shield Mm -hmm. There we have it Will has taken us through the first two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the first kind of MCU spin-off, really, the first TV show capitalizing on the success of the Avengers um, to give us uh, awesome more uh, MCU world-building in a way that we thought might be the only way possible before the Disney shows showed up. Will, your hmm. favourite piece of trivia that you've learned from today's episode
1: There's so much to pick apart here There's Nick Fury's Secret War There's S.H.I.E.L.D.'s mm. activities in the 50s for anti-communist stuff uh, There was also... Uh, God. Well, no, no, my favourite one I've just remembered my favourite one Is uh, Tony Stark using nanites to turn himself into a mm. superhero, basically That's mad I love it, but it's
0: scary. It's absolutely scary. (laughs) (laughs) And your final thoughts on these two episodes that you've never seen before then? I have to say, it's an an
1: enjoyable piece of network television action that fits nicely on the sidelines of the MCU. Uh, Joss Whedon's dialogue really shines in places. I got some really good laughs out of it. Also, very good, really good. To see more Coulson, it feels like they've given the character a lot more room to breathe and have fun, even if it potentially cheapens his death in the Avengers. It shows a lot of promise, but as uh, as much as I've enjoyed these episodes, I don't know if I'll get to get the time to binge all 130 something of them. But I will, I, I will try.
0: <laughs> Reading list. Um... Uh, we talked about um, the POV and what it's like with the world discovering superhumans for the first time um, That thing to check out then is Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross um, The Secret Warriors stuff where Nick Fury is putting together all the Daisy Johnson And all these, um, all these new kind of unknown people to help fight his war That's Secret Warriors by Brian Michael Bendis uh, and then Jonathan Hickman um to Nick Fury's Secret War is in Secret War by Brian Michael Bendis. The um Brotherhood of the Shield stuff with Galileo fighting Galactus is in Shield by Jonathan Hickman. And if you want something that has the kind of like Marvel version of the characters from this TV show, you can check out SHIELD by Mark Wade and then Agents of SHIELD. And our next episode It's time for us to have a look at the MCU again. Nick Fury is back in the MCU. The latest Marvel Disney Plus show is The Secret Invasion. In our next Deep Dive episode, we'll be pulling apart what's happened on the TV show, digging into all the Marvel history and trivia behind it. So don't miss that one. And don't forget, for the July limited time, we've got a seven-day free trial of our bonus content, which you can find on patreon.com slash Marvel. Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston, and our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel for awesome bonus content.